If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. I assume that the Afrikaans people here have no idea what the, the word Ascension Day means. Because, in fact, English is all of our second language. Hallelujah. We don't speak English. We speak Bloemfontein Brits. It's Bloemfontein Fanagalo, but English. Okay. So everyone can understand what I'm trying to say. It's my second language as well. And uh, I realized that some people um, are not sure about what this day is all about. Yomofart Ascension Day is actually not the resurrection of Jesus that we're celebrating. We celebrated that a few weeks ago. Do you remember Easter? The cross on the Friday, the empty tomb on the Sunday. Tonight we are celebrating the fact that Jesus ascended into heaven to take up his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. And then at the end of the month, on the 28th of May, we are celebrating Pentecost or Pinkster, where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples to empower them for ministry. So are you with me? This is not Pinkster. This is not Pentecost. It's Ascension Day. Jesus is King. Uh, taking his seat at the right hand of the Father. Maybe you're sitting here and maybe for the first time you're understanding it. Just nod at me. if you. Th thank you. I was wondering what this is all about. I want to start like this this evening. On the 5th of October, 1958, the world took an incredibly massive step forward in terms of space exploration when the Soviet Union launched the first rocket into this atmosphere. Um, Sputnik or Sputnik was on that rocket, Sputnik number one, and they got it into orbit around the earth. And that was an incredibly massive breakthrough in terms of human development. It was a spectacular moment. For the first time, everyone in the world saw what it looks like when a rocket leaves the earth penetrates the atmosphere and goes into orbit around the earth. But you have to realize that this moment was not about the spectacular explosion of a rocket going into space. It was all about the fact that that rocket enabled the human race to explore space and the universe. It enabled the human race to do communication more effectively. So, when it comes to the ascension of Jesus, the disciples saw this incredible, spectacular moment. Jesus ascending into the clouds. But listen to this. The significance of that moment was not in the moment of the clouds and Jesus, you know, <laughs> floating on the clouds. It was in what it actually accomplished that was of uttermost importance. So I want to read you the scripture, Acts chapter 8, verse 6 to 10. Let's read it together. Then they gathered around and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This needs to upset you because these disciples thought that Jesus was the Messiah who came to redeem them from Roman rule, 
And then Jesus clarified the fact that, no, I am actually building another kingdom. I'm not here to only take your oppression and your persecution away. I'm here to establish the kingdom of God. Now, after the resurrection, <laughs> they ask again, Lord, are you, are you now going to establish, you know, a Jewish rule in, in the uh, Middle East? <laughs> they missed the moment completely. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates that my father has set by his own authority. And then he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid from him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into the heavens. Let me create some context for you. So the people at that stage, the Jews, were living under Roman rule. They were persecuted. They were oppressed. They were fearful. They were hopeless, completely hopeless. Then Jesus comes onto the scene and people start saying that this man, Jesus from Nazareth, is the Messiah. He's the Son of God sent from heaven to remove the oppression, to free God's people from the Roman oppression. Then Jesus, he chooses 12 normal people. You can now say to someone, you are normal, average. I know your grandma said, your oma had veel gesê, is a blinkster. You're just average. You're normal. Okay. We're all normal. He didn't choose the religious elite. He didn't choose the theologians. He chose normal 12 people. Some of them were fishermen. Some of them were working for SARS. They were just normal people. Peter left everything to follow this guy. He left his wife. No, not left in a sense of, you know, just you know, left her behind with her mother, his mother-in-law. I, I don't know how that conversation went. Listen, yeah, um, I know I married your daughter, but I'm going with this Jesus guy. Uh, would you take care of her again? <laughs> Luckily, we don't read about the father-in-law that was handling that situation. He left everything. Then Jesus comes in a moment. He says to them, I'm leaving you. And I mean, you can just imagine the frustration. Lord, we left everything to follow you. We saw you do miracles. We saw the grace and the glory of God in your, in your hands. We were part of it and now you're leaving. And one chapter later, Jesus says, um, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm coming back. And the disciples obviously would have thought, okay, was that a joke that you're leaving? You know, don't play that on us. Are you leaving or are you staying? And Jesus said, no, I'm sending my spirit. 
to come and dwell in you. And in this moment, Jesus ascended into heaven. I must confess, I think if I were one of the disciples, if I was one of the disciples, I would have thought, you know, I saw this guy do miracles. I saw him preach the new kingdom of God, the kingdom of peace and of righteousness and of glory. And now he's leaving. There goes our hope. Do you remember that old song? There goes my only possessions. Elvis, any Elvis fans? I know the young people from the evening crowd. I just missed you now. Sorry, over your heads. Elvis was actually a very famous guy. You can go Google him. There goes my only possessions. They sung the song, there goes our hope into heaven. But they did not understand the significance of this moment. And I want to highlight three things that I think is so important for us to understand about the ascension of Jesus. The first thing is this. Jesus ascended into heaven. He took up his rightful place as the king right next to his father. Where does that leave us? You see, we find ourselves in a hopeless world. We find ourselves full of fear, full of uncertainty, exactly like the Jews at that stage. We also struggle with the fact, is there hope left in this country for my children, for me? Jesus ascended into heaven to establish this, that in him there is an ever lasting hope because of this number one God has a plan don't you ever forget that the God of the universe he's got a plan for this world he's got a plan for this country he's got a plan for the city He's got a plan for your neighborhood. He's got a plan for your neighbors. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for each and every one of us. God has a plan. Even Jesus submits himself to the plan of the Father. He's obedient to the plan of the Father. You see, the world at this moment or whatever circumstance that you find yourself in might seem out of control. But here's the truth, my friend. God the Father is in control. He's not caught off guard by what is happening in our world or in your world. He's not surprised. He's got a plan. He's in control and He's in charge. You might ask yourself, it doesn't seem like it. The disciples didn't see it. It's okay for us to sometimes think we don't see it. But God is in control, even if your world spins out of control. Let me tell an example. This video that you saw in the beginning was of many churches in bloom. We, uh, took the, or we invited the worship leaders on this journey and let me tell you the quick story. So in COVID, do you remember what COVID was? Feels like 10 years ago. It's like the Black Plague. I see some of you have it now, but it's only like 
uh, closed nose. So, oh, so, oh, loop near Siki. So, oh, loop near Siki. COVID. What happened in COVID was it seemed like the world was spinning out of control, especially the church. We couldn't gather. Be honest for a moment. Who of you did not watch the online services? So, yes, okay, why? Because it's sort of who we are. We are made to gather. We are made to be with one another. Okay, but here's the miracle of that moment in the church specifically. God opened up a door for this church in COVID to build a video studio, an audio studio. God opened up a door to get into relationships with the other churches that were struggling in our city, to empower them, to teach them, to guide them through the thing of doing church uh, online. But God had a miracle. Relationships was formed between us and many of the churches. Do you remember? We released that first video in 2000. And uh, 21, Battle Belongs. Do you remember that? My friend, that was a miracle. Not the song. The fact that churches, in that sense, were united for a moment. How many times in Bloemfontein do we hear about divisions between churches? Hierdie kerk squad vir die kerk en die kerk, hou nie van die kerk en die pastoor, vloek die pastoor en The world was spinning out of control in COVID, but God had a plan. He was bringing churches together in bloom. We started a process in COVID called Untold Stories. We have got now three of those processes running with church leaders gathering as friends. Once a term. Myself and Pietri from the Baptist Church, we are now friends. We text one another each week. Sterkte met jou dochters in netbal. Hoe gaan het al? Hy sê vir my, stop om kinders te kry. But we have a relationship. <laughs> Don't get more kids. That's our relationship. That's where we are. Myself and Dominic Charles, James from the NG Church Palace here, we are friends. Christo, he's, he's, they drink tea together. They don't drink coffee there. I don't know why. I think it's biblical and anointed, but they drink tea. So Christo is going to drink some tea there once in a while. We've got relationship with the AFM, Siluam. Very good friends. God has done something in the midst of a crisis. He has a plan. If it wasn't for COVID, <laughs> we don't know what would have happened. Number two. Jesus is interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for you. You see, the ascension, the Yimmelfahrt, was the end of the ministry of Jesus on this planet, but it was the start of His heavenly ministry. What is Jesus doing today? You might ask. He's interceding. 
In a sense, God is talking to himself. <laughs> is anyone in the building who actually talks to yourself quite often? Oh, thank God, I'm not the only one. <laughs> God is talking to himself. About what? About you. The God of the universe. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. God is speaking. Jesus is speaking to the Father. Jesus is speaking to the Spirit about you. Jesus is sitting in heaven and praying for me, Eugene. Father, I see that there is loss coming in Eugene's life. Won't you guide him through it? Lord, I pray, God the Father, I pray that he won't lose heart, that he won't lose faith. Lord, I see in Eugene's future that he will need some capacity to raise three boys and keep a wife happy and lead a church. Lord, give him more of your spirit. <laughs> I see that there is incredible success in Eugene's future. Lord, Father, I pray, do not let him become prideful. Let him not forget the fact that he's a human being made in my image. Jesus is praying for you. Sorry, Jere, ek sien vir Sari. Ek sien vir Gerda. Ek sien vir Susan. They have trouble at work. God, I pray that you will open up their eyes, fill them with faith, give them opportunities to minister God, I see that this guy's business is going to suffer. Lord, Jesus, God the Father, I pray that you will carry that family. God, send your angels. <laughs> Make a way. Teach them about your heart in that moment. Jesus is actively interceding for you and me. Number three. We are his witnesses. See, Jesus has sent the Spirit to his disciples to empower them to obey, to empower them for the Christian life, to empower them to witness, to empower them to obey, to empower them to serve, to empower them to love. No Holy Spirit, no Christianity. Je kan nie die Christen lewe leef sonder die invulling van die Heilige Geest nie. He is the active one. He's bringing into action the promises of God in your life. He's the counselor. He's the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of truth. But he's also the one that empowers us for witness. What is witness? It's to tell that which you have seen and which you have experienced. People of Doxareo Bloemfontein. God has placed you in this city for a reason. He has placed you in a family for a reason. He has placed you in a street for a reason, in a school for a reason. It's to witness. Yes, but should I now be an evangelist to preach hell? Well, if God has called you to do that, go for it. But 
what you can do is just be a witness of what you have seen and experienced. In those moments of hopelessness, it creates an opportunity to witness who Jesus is. I've been in a conversation last week. We were a few men that were, uh, you know, turning some meat on a, ro a, ro a roaster. And there was a few guys in our church and a few guys not in our church. And one of the guys started complaining about South Africa. He was hopeless. He was tla. But he was out of it. He was tla. He's negative about everything. He has put on the glasses of hopelessness. And, you know, as a pastor, I always feel the tension in those moments to say something, to quote a scripture, to, you know, say, don't stress, God is in control. But I, I just stood there and experienced the moment. And the next moment, one of the people in this church, one of the men in this church, spoke with faith. He didn't sugarcoat the issues of our country. He didn't say, let go and let God, God will sort it out. No, he's, he witnessed in that moment of his own hopelessness and how God empowered him by the Spirit to see in faith, to take off the glasses of hopelessness and put on the glasses of faith. God has a plan. God is in charge. God will make a way. I was so impressed. My friend, you are called to be that witness in our city, to bring hope where there is no hope, to bring love where there is no love, to bring faith where there is no faith. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.